Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 686. Don't ever uh, uh, accept the fact that you could fail. You won't. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so very excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dave Kindig. Hey, Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, you know, I don't have any seatbelts in this chair, but I do have a helmet just off camera here. I can grab if we need it. All right. Well, I hope we won't need that. I'll try to keep it between <laughs> the rails here today. Dave Kindig is the owner and designer at Kindigit Design in Salt Lake City, Utah. Since 1999, Dave and his wife, Charity, have built Kindigit into a one-stop complete custom shop where automobiles are transformed into spectacular works of rolling art. With his engineering degree in Hot Wheels and Legos, Dave and design go hand in hand, and he and his talented team turn out some really bitchin' rides, some of the most bitchin' rides you'll see on the planet. And speaking of that, of course, he's the star of Velocity's Bitchin' Rides TV show, where they build ground-up restorations, making customers' dreams come true. So, Dave, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your business and, of course, your incredible passion for automobiles? Well, you know, I uh, I uh, always have set my goals really high. You know, I've uh, I imagine what if, uh, which has been pretty much my whole life. What if I reached outside of the box? You know, stop doing the same thing that everybody else does. Set my goals high, dream, and just go after those dreams. And it's it's really has you know worked out over the last seventeen years. Uh, I've got a wonderful wife, Charity, two great kids, Bailey and and Drew. Uh, Bailey's been working for me for a couple of years, which is really kind of cool to be able to keep. You know the family all in check and keep them all here and yeah it's just it's wonderful i've surrounded myself with some very talented guys over the years i'm sitting at 27 great friends which happen to be employees wow and uh you know we we get to go to work every day and build somebody's dream car i mean so quite honestly i don't feel like i've worked at all in the last 17 years and if you ask kevin he'd tell you he i haven't so <laughs> yeah absolutely well you figured out the secret sauce to life absolutely and that is chase your passion wrap your life and your career around that passion that's exactly what you've done so we're going to learn a lot more about you as we continue on your journey and head on down this road but first i always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success and it's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on cars yeah so dave take the wheel well, you know, honestly, uh, uh, I think I might have already touched on that. I've always just been very much a goal setter. I've watched a lot of people, you know, whether it's in my family or where I grew up. I grew up very poor, so it was easy for me to imagine a better life. I had plenty of examples of what, you know, hardship was growing up. And so, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I had uh, an inner city high school. It was wonderful. I was a minority there. I had a lot of great friends. In fact, I was always the smallest, uh, kind of a smart ass. <laughs> but I never got uh, never gotten any fights, and the reason why is I was drawing cars for all the big Mexican dudes with low riders, and uh, everybody would say, "Hey, just leave that kid alone." Yeah. So you know, realistically though, I just always had the imagination that uh, life is what you make of it, and uh, and so I just turned the other direction instead of going down the same path that a lot of people around me were. I just worked very hard, 
and uh, kept my interests. I've been drawing cars since I was a little kid, and I kept actually doing that even when I first moved in with my wife, even before we got married. If we didn't have money to go out and uh, uh, go on a date, you know, I'd sit there and draw a car. We'd watch a movie or you yeah. know, whatever, run a video. And that's just, you know, what I really enjoyed doing. And it just so happened later on, that's kind of where I got discovered, you know, being self-taught. I never went to body shop uh, school and never worked in the, in the industry until I uh, started my business. It was just something I'd watch other people do and pick up the, uh, the talents that they had and, and just replicate it and do it on my Volkswagen bugs. Pretty soon people were wanting me to work on their cars and uh, just kind of snowballed. A lot of people that see people that have TV shows nowadays, they sit back and go, how did that ever happen? So before I get into the next question, how were you discovered to end up with Bitchin' Rides? You know, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I mean, anybody that's in this industry that has the opportunity to build some really cool cars for great clients, that give them the ability and the, you know, obviously it takes money to do that stuff. Um, to be able to get into this industry is one thing and to be successful is another, but to have the ability to have people all over the world, we're in 42 or 46 countries being seen right now. Wow. And, uh, which makes it a little difficult even to go grocery shopping anymore without getting noticed. But (laughs) I think that's been one of the things is, is that, uh, basically just trying to, to get into a groove and make things happen. I think that's really, I, I think that getting discovered and having the TV show is just kind of weird for me. I had other TV shows that I was a guest on. Uh, I did uh, my classic car with Dennis Gage, great friend. And actually that was the first uh, national uh, TV show that I'd been invited on. Wow. Uh, it was with a little 37 Chevy that we had built and uh, back in 2007. And then after that, I got uh, kind of noticed by a, uh, uh, Dennis is a rule that does hot rod television. Right. Uh, he put me on a couple of episodes of that with the white Mustang back in 2009, which was a really popular car. In fact, it's still one of my favorites. I've still got it on my business cards. Cool. You know, so I had been a guest on other shows, uh, my classic car, car crazy, hot rod television, SEMA coverage, low car television, but always a guest, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> and, uh, what was kind of funny is my marketing director had sent out a blurt that one of my good clients, uh, Rick White was wanting to rebuild or restart or a GM future liner. And so we just did a media blitz. And a lot of times I think a lot of this uh, ideas for shows or, or, hey, would you be interested in putting this in a show kind of stuff usually goes right in the trash can or gets deleted immediately from the big guys at uh, Velocity or Speed or whoever at the time was. And uh, I think that I already kind of stood out to them. I think they were familiar with this. And so they were interested. They sent down a company called Fisher Productions out of Park City, Utah, which is about 25 miles east of here, beautiful area. They came down, wanted to do a sizzle reel. Uh, they loved the way that the shop was laid out, and they could really tell right out the gate that the people that are working for me have been with us for so long that we just get along like friends. You know, we play, you know, we kind of talk a little bit of smack here and there and have fun. We laugh, we, you know, we challenge each other and, and help each other. And I think at the end of the day, that really is what stood out. And it was like, yeah, we want to get you under contract. We'd love to do a show. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, that age old concept that you're an overnight success. Someone just walks in and you're a star <laughs> is uh, there's an old uh, rock star that said, yeah, we were an overnight success. It only took 20 years of overnights and honky tonks and bars to become an overnight success. So that's a really great story. I love that. Well, let's go back in time. And I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. You talked about being in high school around a bunch of guys driving low riders and sketching cars and things. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really realize you were a car guy? 
you know, I was always, I think I, uh, right out the gate, my mom was an artist and, uh, she does a lot of oil paintings of, uh, you know, animals and, and, uh, landscapes, wildlife type stuff. Yep. Obviously, uh, I went the other direction. I went more technical stuff, but I was actually, my first design work as a young uh, kid was, uh, insects. And then I figured out you couldn't make them. So I went to my second love, which was cars <laughs> and <laughs> For me, you know, I always looked at my Hot Wheels cars and I always imagined different things. I never really built any Lego cars right off of the, the, the booklet that you would get to tell you how to put it together. Yeah. I'd do that one time and I'd tear it apart and then make something really cool out of it. Yeah. And so, you know, really that's where I kind of started. And then I got into plastic models and, of course, still at the same time realizing that I could imagine and visualize something faster by drawing it than I could by you know, sanding down or modifying the Hot Wheels or, right. or building a Lego car, which had choppiness to it. I wanted that smooth look. And so by doing renderings, um, you know, I could immediately do it. I mean, chopping a top on a car in your garage could take, you know, a month. Yeah. Uh, chopping the top on pencil and paper takes about three minutes. Yes. So <laughs> I was very impatient, I guess, is the best way to describe it, which is really where I started pushing myself on the renderings. Yeah. And uh, I just, I really have always just quite enjoyed it. If I got uh, inspired by something, I'd go right home and I'd draw it and hang it on my wall. Absolutely. Yeah, I was a kid. I built model cars like a lot of us. And I used to buy three models and build one car out of the three. You know, and you take your uh, your hot knife and cut the roof off and chop it yep. down and stuff. And yeah, my mom would come in and go, what the heck happened in here? I, <laughs> oh, I built one out of three, mom. This car's got three engines in it, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, no car was ever safe on my windowsill for more than about a week. Yeah, no, and then we take them out and blow them up with firecrackers we bought down in, <laughs> down in Tijuana, so start over again. Well, Dave, yeah. what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've picked a career that can be a big challenge, and I'm sure it's been fraught with some challenges, even some failures. So share one of those with us. More importantly, tell us what it taught you so you could move forward, and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum in your business, in your career, in your life. Well, that, uh, that's a tough one because I'm still trying to figure out how the heck I got to where I'm at right now. But <laughs> I worked at High Performance Coatings back in the early 90s is when I started there working for Jeff Holm. And that's uh, High Performance Coatings is the company that does the ceramic coatings on exhaust systems for top fuel, indie cars, street rods, that type of stuff. I started at the very bottom. I used to race vintage cars and they did some of the exhaust systems for my vintage cars. Great company. Yeah, we were all over the place, which was really cool, you know. And, and actually, I was working in a parking lot doing... <laughs> To get this, uh, I was the warehouse manager for a diesel engine parts place. And then they also, it was Northwest Motor Welding. They would rebuild uh, cylinder heads and blocks and sell pistons and, and that type of stuff. I was in charge of that. And I worked there for a couple of years right across the parking lot from HBC. Okay. And uh, it was kind of funny as Jeff never would buy a forklift. So he's always bugging me for a for, uh, for a, the uh, forklift. And uh, I was I was driving my chopped Roadster Volkswagen at the time, so I always kind of stood out to him because he had to drive past our parking lot to get into his. So long story short, uh, many years later, he was watching how hard I was working. He says, Dave, when are you going to come work for me? I said, as soon as you offer me a job, because I'm working with a bunch of diesel mechanic cowboy jackasses that would give me a hard time all the time. And uh, so one day I was stacking uh, cylinder heads and, and one of the uh, – the old cowboys came out and trying to give me a rough time. And I just told him, I said, why don't you just go ahead and stack them yourself? I was unemployed. I quit right there. I was unemployed for about an hour and a half. <laughs> just walked across the parking lot. <laughs> went and got a big gulp, mellowed out for a minute, went back and hit Jeff up. And he says, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. So I started there and, and started at the very bottom, sandblasting the exhaust systems, doing shipping, doing the finishing, 
learned how to spray the coatings. Pretty soon I was doing all of that stuff. Well, I was such an efficiency freak that uh, basically I ended up four or five years later, I was actually flying to Connecticut to their other facility as well as Oklahoma and training them how to uh, streamline their processes. Nice. And then pretty soon they decided to open a, a facility down in uh, Arizona at uh, Arizona Speed Marine in Chandler. Yeah. And uh, so I was down there for months at a time. And my daughter, of course, had been born at this time. And I was actually realizing that I was working for somebody else as if it was my own company uh-huh. and uh, missing my daughter grow up. So, you know, we, we decided to have a second kid. That was something that was really cool about Charity is we've always planned out everything. She likes she likes to have a landing pad for when I go to jump. <laughs> and uh, the second kid was getting ready to be born. My uh, renderings had already kind of taken off from getting discovered from the Rod and Custom Americruise uh, had come through town. And Chip was with Boyd at the time still. Uh, they're sitting in my shipping area uh, eating barbecue brisk. <laughs> and uh, Ed Capen, which was working for Arizona Speed and Marine at the time, was sitting there and he says, Dave, noticing through the window into my shipping office, all of my renderings hanging up. And he says, Dave, who does those drawings? And I said, those are just something I do. It's just a hobby. He goes, those aren't bad. You ever thought about doing them for magazines? And I said, I'd love to. I just have never had the opportunity. Well, that's where it started. Uh, it was about two weeks later. I got commissioned to do a, a Camaro for Ed Capen that was being built at Arizona Speed Marine, one of his personal vehicles. And uh, that was seen in Super Chevy and Chevy High Performance. Ryan Pride, one of their master uh, fabricators there, had a 64 uh, Chevelle that wanted to have a rendering done. I did that. Again, it was featured. Jim Schaffner, the owner of Arizona Speed Marine, at that point, I was kind of standing out, and he says, hey, we're going to build these 99 Silverados, uh, the ASM editions. He says, would you do the renderings for it, which was, again, in Super Chevy and uh, Trucking Magazine. Right. Uh, shortly after that, you might remember this car, uh, Dave Hall, the Nomad. Oh, yes, the Nomad. Yes, cool. The Nomad was actually started at Arizona Speed Marine, and after I did the renderings for Dave Hall, a great friend of mine still, uh, they pulled the car and he decided to take it up to Steve's Auto Restoration, and they finished the car, and it's absolutely gorgeous. He used a lot of the same style lines, especially with the interior in the car uh, to, to date. Wow. So pretty soon, you know, I was getting all of these opportunities, and I told my wife I wanted to quit my job. And cash in my 401k and start my business in my garage, which I built in the back of our very humble home. Uh-huh. And uh, she amazingly said, okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember asking her that many times to quit my job, but it, it seems like I'd probably pestered her enough where she finally went, look, you're going to just keep asking me. I'm going to let you go ahead and do it. If it fails, then stop asking. Right. And uh, luckily for us, it didn't fail. You know, we continued to have the same success uh, starting out of the garage. I actually moved out of my garage in two and a half months. Wow. Moved to 4,500 square feet in the building that I'm still in today. Yeah. That lasted about two and a half years. Again, getting more and more business, learning more mistakes and and trying to survive them as a business owner. Right. And uh, moved into 9,000 square feet, which was actually Missy Marlowe's uh, gymnasium training center for the Olympia. uh, Olympia. No kidding. Yeah. So, and I remember one day when I was in that first 4,500 square foot suite. I remember sticking my head out the door and looking both ways all the way down this long building. It's 330 feet long. And uh, I remember going, man, wouldn't that be cool if I could fill up this whole place with hot rods? And I was like, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here I am. I'm like going, man, if I could just get more parking lot, and more space, and <laughs> <laughs> I filled it up, you know, it's 27,000 square feet and I've completely filled it up. But wow. every time I would make a lot of money and, and continue that, uh, uh, that growth, I would just put it back into my guys, hiring more guys, paying them better, uh, buying more equipment, getting more space, 
putting more money into customers' cars, maybe beyond where, where their budget was, just to make sure that the customer's car was going to stand out. And I had such a good relationship with a lot of these you know, big builds at the very beginning uh, with the customers that I was allowed to take those cars. So I'd take them to a show. I had maybe $100,000 of my own money invested in some of these cars. Wow. But I'd come back with two big jobs. So it was a good payoff. And again, I find that right customer and go beyond their budget again and borrow the car and get more jobs. So listeners, there's your mini lesson on business right there from the guy who figured out how to do it. That's how you build a successful business that steps on top of the next success, the next success. It's a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, but it can be done. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the best way to describe that for somebody that's starting a business is it's much like a Baja 1000 racer. You don't look 15 feet out the front of your vehicle when you're doing 100 miles an hour across open country. You need to be about 100 yards or more looking where you're going to go. So always keeping your vision beyond what's just right in front of you and never losing sight of that direction that you're going. You'll, you'll land 100 times. Don't ever, don't ever uh, uh, accept the fact that you could fail. You won't. Absolutely. You know, it's a great analogy to racing or they teach you in racing school. Head up, head up. You, you got to see what's in front of you, but you're really looking way down the track where you want to go. Right. Great story. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when those headlights illuminate a new path for you that you go, this is the way I'm going to go to be successful. And tell us about that aha moment and how you took those steps to be a success. You know, I think one of the biggest aha moments is when you're building 22 cars at a time and each one is individual. We don't necessarily build the exact same thing over and over again, but we had a, I had an idea back in 2006 for this uh, 56 Chevy I was building for Larry Johnson. And uh, Larry wanted to build this really cool 56 Bel Air. He wanted it smooth, but to still look classic. And one of the things that kind of stood out to me was maybe not shaving the door handles, but using something uh, along the lines of like the Aston Martin Vantage, where the door handle is actually apparent on the vehicle, Okay. but it's flush mounted. So I started thinking about how a door handle works and just doing a simple cantilever and making a piece. Well, I've got Will, uh, my engineer, where I always say where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, Will's <laughs> my engineer. Very nice. Will and I started talking. I started drawing up some stuff. We started banging some ideas off of each other. And quite literally, within about five minutes, the idea had been created. The perfection came within a couple of days, and we prototyped a set of door handles for this car. So instead of making 100 different one-off pieces for just one vehicle and and then throwing away the, the recipe, this was one thing that kind of stood out to me and going, you know what, I think we could probably sell these because it was standing out so much still just being in the shop. Mm. The people kept looking at the door handles going, where did you get those? Where did you get those? And I was like, all right, I think this is the one thing this welfare kid is going to actually have to go get a patent, and uh, which I did. And uh, the door handles have been very, very successful. Oh. We've, we've had, you know, we sell three to five sets of those a day uh, all over the world. Oh, my and gosh. You know, it's really cool because, I mean, as a kid, I was always shaving door handles off of everything. Yeah. But as I get older, I think I get a little bit wiser, and I hate it when a battery goes dead or you get locked out of the car or the solenoid doesn't work anymore with your popper. And yeah. and so this was really a kind of a cool thing. It was a mix that really is iconic for the style cues that I like to use, and that is using something that is uh, modern but yet classic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Love that. What a great aha moment. Fantastic. Yeah, now you're – a producer of goods as well. So uh, 
Yes. Yeah, that's brilliant, brilliant. Well, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many. You've gotten a lot of awards for the builds you've done and for the TV show and the things you've done, but is there one proudest moment that stands out for you you'd share? Oh, geez. You know, I, I think at the I've always been a big fan of being treated the way that I would treat other people. And, uh, you know, I've treated my guys really well. I think one of the great moments for me every year is around Christmas bonus time. Oh. <laughs> I remember back when we had absolutely no money and it was still something that was very, you know, personal to me. I wanted to, you know, take care of people, even if we didn't have a lot of money. And there was actually one year, uh, and it's a much deeper story. I'd taken on a, an investor, which insisted that nobody was getting Christmas bonuses. And uh, that's, a long, that's a long story and it's for another time. But Charity and I went and took out a loan for about 23% interest for about $15,000, which wow. we paid and we gave out bonuses. Wow. You know, because to me, I, you know, I've always felt that 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 important part of taking care of your guys, they're taking care of us. We're very, very lucky to be where we're at. And, and things have certainly changed over 20, well, this year is 27 years together with this fine woman. Wow. And 25 years married. And, uh, you know, taking care of the people that have taken care of us, we've been very fortunate. You know, we've moved into a, our dream home two years ago. You know, we're, we're doing very well personally. And I think that sharing that same wealth and care and uh, uh, security with our employees makes sure that they're here every day and they're giving their 110%. And uh, the sky's the limit. I mean, there's nothing I couldn't put in front of my crew uh, that we couldn't succeed on. Wow. Wonderful story. Man, that, that says a lot about the kind of people that you guys are. Absolutely. That is wonderful. Now, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car. It might be your first car or might be that first special build you did. Tell us about that car and maybe a memory about that vehicle. Well, it has to be a Volkswagen. And, uh, you know, I'd had a couple of Volkswagens before this one in particular, but I had, it was kind of funny. I was always trying to come up with a way to come up with the, the cool lowering parts without having to spend the big money because I really didn't have the money to do it. And I didn't have a lowered beam for this uh, 61 bug, so I bought a 68 Volkswagen bug that had a lowered beam on it, but the car was pretty beat up. Well, I quickly realized the difference between a key and link front end and a ball joint front end. They don't mix. So there I was looking at a lowered 68, which was not as desirable, and, and I didn't have the capability or the, uh, the ability to do a body swap at the time. So... Instead of building the 61 that way, I ended up actually building the 68. I cut the top off of it, bare windshield, uh, shaved all the glass out of it, and I was building this car after I'd met Charity. And that's actually when I started spending a lot of time out at her dad's house. Uh, he's got an acre of grass and an eight-car garage, and he built a lot of hot rods. And, and so I was out there doing body work, and when I was at uh, our one-bedroom apartment, we were basically... I was sitting there with my butt hanging out into traffic on a main road doing body work on this Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. Painted it turquoise and white. Uh, and it seemed like every time I drove that car with the Volkswagen club I was in, it would rain. So <laughs> the <laughs> next the next year, I built a Carson top for it, changed the doors out, put glass back in them. And, uh, you know, I just kind of – that's kind of where uh, I think that I wish I still had that car. I'm glad it's gone because I think I would do it a lot better this time around, which would probably cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> which I don't think I would put it in there. Yeah. But that was a great experience. And, I, you know, I mean, it was a lot of fun. My wife cruising around with the Volkswagen Club and, you know, going on cruises. And, 
hanging out with them and, and doing parade runs and that kind of stuff. It was just a lot of fun. Yeah, Volkswagens have a special place in my heart. When I was in high school, I had a 67 Carmen Ghia. And uh, when I bought it, it was kind of stock. And I took it to a friend's house who had some space and we ripped it all apart and beefed up the engine and put a bunch of lacquer paint on it and sanded everything and tried to lower it the best I could figure out how. I wasn't very skilled in that. Taking the engine out with a skateboard underneath it, you know, so very, uh, very cool. But I love the VWs. That's very neat. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? Well, you know, actually, uh, one of my first jobs was at Tom McCann's shoe store in the mall downtown Salt Lake. And uh, Rudy, the assistant manager, was a really cool guy. And he had a 65 Mustang Fastback. He also had a 64 Buick Riviera. Oh. And, uh, you know, I was getting ready for my first car. I hadn't bought anything yet. And he says, Dave, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll sell you that rib for 500 bucks and make payments on it. I was like, cool. <laughs> I had that car for two weeks. I got two speeding tickets, which totaled more than the $500 I had to pay for the car. I handed him the keys back, and I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Yeah. And he's like, I totally get it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'd love to build a, a, a you know, a first-gen Riv, uh, or, you know, 60s Riv. I think one of those would be really cool. I'd love the body style. And, uh, and the fact that it's a little bit off the beaten path. It's not another... Uh, you know, Camaro or Mustang or whatever, but yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the one that got away from me. Those are sweet. Yeah, definitely got away from you on the street for sure in a literal <laughs> sense. At least you were smart enough, young man, to go, I need to stop this. This is going in the <laughs> wrong the <laughs> Yeah, this is going in the wrong direction. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What really has you excited? We're into the new year here about what you're doing in your shop and what you're doing on the t- TV show, Bitch and Rides. What has you all excited and fired up this new year? You know, I've, we've got uh, a full palette of, uh, uh, of vehicles that we're going to be building for season four. And actually, it's kind of cool. We we film for an entire year. So, you know, three to five days a week is pretty typical. You'll see a film crew down here. Wow. Uh, I like to say that I hold the uh, world's record for colonoscopy. I've had a, I've had a camera up my butt for about <laughs> uh, almost four years now. So, Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've got some really cool cars. All of the uh, vehicles that we're building for season four are way over the top couple that really stand out to me. I've got a great friend, uh, Ron Meese, that we built that really bitchin' uh, brown uh, 65 GTO for. Oh, yeah. That was the first car I built for him. The second one was the uh, Blue Suede Shoes 59 Buick Invicta. And uh, car number three that I'm doing out of nine is a 27 Shadow Rod XL. So it's the 27 Roadster. It's a steel body, but it's a little bit wider, a little bit deeper, and a little bit longer for the interior. So you can actually sit down in the car. So that one's coming around really nicely. Oh, man. And, and then another one that really stands out, 58 Lincoln Convertible. Nobody builds those. This one in particular, it was a beautiful car. Those are actually unibody vehicles. Even back then, the front fenders don't even actually remove from that vehicle, which oh, is wow. kind of trippy. I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, we've cut the entire floor out of this car after we stripped it down, uh, installed an Art Morrison frame underneath it. It's tubbed. And then we installed a Ryan Faulkner 600 cubic inch all aluminum V12 with twin magnets and superchargers. Oh, my. Over the top. We named her Maybelline, and that's one big chick. <laughs> Maybelline. You know, I just had a guest on the show, uh, a painter, Shan Fannin, and she and her husband have this old uh, Ford Thunderbird, and that's the name of their Thunderbird is Maybelline. So <laughs> I'll have to let her know that. That sounds fantastic. Now, Art Morrison and his son Craig were guests on my show early on. They live not too far from here in the Pacific Northwest, right over in Puyallup in the Valley. They do some fantastic work. But man, I cannot wait to see all these builds you guys are putting together. You are having fun. 
I, I again, I don't feel like I've worked a day in the last uh, 17 years. You know, it's it's just fun. You know, go to work and get a pad of paper and stand around a car and start writing down ideas and then go back to the drawing board and render it up, hand it off to the guys, and then they just use that as a build tool and they go build it just like it looks. So it's just a lot of fun. Kudos to you and your talented team. Here's a very introspective question for you, Dave. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing how you answer this. If Dave was a car, what kind of car would Dave be and why? <laughs> you know, that is probably by far one of the hardest questions to answer. Well, good, um, good, good. I've always thought of myself as an ever-changing, but yet the exact same year after year. And, you know, for me, as far as a car, what's my favorite kind of car? Uh, I'm a flavor of the month kind of guy because <laughs> I get so into the vehicle that I'm working in, right. you know, uh, on my in my mind right now. Yeah. I can't pick a car for myself that I would have uh, or that I would describe myself as because I, I'm, I'm so ever-changing. You know, one moment I might say that uh, a Bugatti Veyron, uh, because of the perfection, it's a, it's a very stylized car. It's it's high end. It's powerful. Yeah. It's exotic. It's cool. Um, and then and then I'm just as simple as a 32 Roadster. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place. I don't know if you could mix the two of them. Maybe the vehicle that I would be as a thousand horsepower, fully sculpted uh, Marcel Delay body with swoopy fenders, Ooh. high horsepower, laid back windshield. You know, something really really you know trick and one off. Well, there you go. You answered it. It's a <laughs> custom ride, Bill. <laughs> How much do I owe you for this therapy session anyway? <laughs> uh, hey, therapy here at Cars yeah, comes free. I can't tell you how many friends I have that call me to say, is the doctor in? Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about maybe doing a second podcast that's, uh, yeah, is the car doctor in? So uh, these are mostly people trying to figure out what they should buy or more what they should not buy. So, uh, But you answered that very well, pretty much the way I thought I might hear it come out of your mouth. So I'm trying to envision that, Bill. You got to think about that. I, I want some sketches from you, okay? I could probably sketch it in, in four minutes. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll uh, hang that on my wall. It'll be a memento from our talk here today. So Dave, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable, lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. 
Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Okay, Dave, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, don't touch that. <laughs> it's still under warranty. <laughs> ah, good advice. Good advice. Especially from a guy that touches everything. Right. <laughs> Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Uh, good coffee. Ah. <laughs> well, you got to come and fi- uh, visit me up here in the Pacific Northwest. We've got lots of great coffee up here. So I know you're down there in Salt Lake City. I've got family down there, but uh, yeah, coffee helps. That's for sure. Yeah, we, got great, we got really great micro brews here, but I think appropriately, it would be the coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how about resources? There's lots of great resources these days, but is there one or two you could recommend to the Cars Yow listeners? You know, I think a lot of the times just doing research, whether it's printed uh, uh, media, whether it's social media or just getting online, Look at the things that you like. You know, if you're trying to figure out what kind of car to build for yourself, you know, think about put yourself back in the time that you would have been most interested in having fun, but maybe didn't have the means. What would you have been driving so you can bring back that uh, that youth? I think that's probably the best advice I could give somebody is don't ever get old. Do your homework. Don't ever get old. I like that one. (laughs) Yeah. Do not get old. I know I just had a birthday and a friend of mine called me and wished me a happy birthday and he mentioned my age and I went. No, no, you've got one year added. I'm I'm still 58. And he goes, no, dude, you're 59. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'd forgotten my own age. Can you believe that? Crazy. It's like gray hair when they say, oh, you're getting some gray. It's like, no, old guys go gray. Cool guys get chrome. Oh, well, I've got lots of chrome up here, as you can see on this <laughs> Skype call. But I always say, hey, gray hair is cool because I'll take any hair, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Well, that's a good question. You know, and, uh, you know, somebody I think that brought a lot to the table is somebody we just recently lost in the last week, uh, Pete Shapura. Um, great guy. I had the opportunity to meet him two years ago and had a nice, uh, long conversation with him at uh, Hot August Nights. It's uh, pretty sad. And I think that that guy had so many things going on. He's held on to, you know, the hot rod theme and the thing that he's brought, you know, into, you know, decades later you know many people think that street rods are kind of going away and are, are a dying breed to be honest with you Pete, Pete had such a great style eye for keeping things very vintage and classic and getting to know Pete a little bit he was actually into Volkswagens in very early on age yeah uh, he probably would have a hard time admitting that uh, you know at the time of talking to me but he knew I was into him so he, he came forward and, and let yeah. me know 
And, uh, you know, I had a great interview with him as well and, and uh, on another radio uh, program, but it's pretty sad to, to see him go. It was pretty sudden, I think. Yeah, Pete was so gracious to be an early guest of mine. I think he was guest number 42. You're guest number 686. So uh, he was so kind to spend some time with me. I was still starting out and trying to figure out how to make this podcast thing work. And uh, he did share a little bit about the Volkswagen Pass with me as well in that talk. So uh, listeners, if you want to hear Pete uh, rest his soul, uh, He's still up on the Cars Yeah website. You can listen to that. Yeah, we lost a great one there. Ugh, that's tragic. Well, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read recently you think uh, a car guy would enjoy cracking open and reading? Well, you know, I think somebody that watches a lot of the stuff that I do that might be interested in the type of stuff I do, you know, if they're into art, I think that uh, my advice would be, as far as a book goes, is Tom Taylor. Uh, he has a book called How to Draw Cars, uh, Cars Like a Pro. Yes, and you can get that uh, online from Amazon or you know many other places. And uh, to be honest with you, it's a lot of a lot of kids that uh, love to color. I give a lot of my line art to you know some of the kids that come into the shop and they go home and color them and stuff. But the, I've seen a lot of really good raw talent very early on in some of these kids. And I've said, you know what? If you really want to round that off, get this book by Tom Taylor. And he has a couple of different editions. Uh, you can also look at a lot of stuff online of. of uh, you know, other guys that are doing renderings and stuff, but there's a lot of information in that book that'll tell you how to do perspective, shading, how to color chrome. I think it's a very inspiring book. In fact, it's funny as I still actually, you know, as a professional doing this for a living, I still sometimes will jump back in there just for inspiration to get a, a fresh look at how to make the chrome look a little bit different or how to get a little bit different shading to the body to capture that, uh, that moment. So that's a great book for somebody if they're interested in drawing. It is a great book. My son went to uh, design school, RISD, Rhode Island School of Design to study industrial design. I gave him that book when he went off to college because he hadn't done a lot of sketching and he was kind of nervous about that. And uh, I said, hey, here's a great book because if you can draw a car, you can draw anything. You know, uh, there's a lot of perspective there. So I'm glad you recommended that. Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources on Dave's own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Dave at Kindig. And uh, there's a great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book in the past 685 guest books are listed. There's got to be close to a 1,000 books listed there now for quick, easy clicks to buy. And this book is definitely a cool one. Give it to your kid or buy it for yourself and start drawing some stuff. You'll have some fun. All right, Dave, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy for a guy like you. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, Money's no object. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that car be and why? Well, it might be something that hasn't been developed yet. I kind of thought that's what you'd say. Yeah, I think we're going to go right back to that very sculpted. Um, I always loved early, you know, Delahaye's and uh, Italian design, uh, German design, even for that matter. And so I think it would be something that doesn't necessarily exist right now. But just imagine a nice mid-70s, low-80s day, beautiful canyons just outside of our neighborhood, and getting in a car that the length is around 18 feet long, and it's got long, swoopy lines, a nice long front end, the growl of the engine, a killer color that shows the, the surroundings as you're driving through the canyon. You know, I think that's me. It's probably a black car. Ooh, a black <laughs> Red car. Interior. Okay. And, uh, you know, just something smooth, Clean, simple, and timeless. Wow. We'll get to work on that, would you? Hey, just yeah. send me the bills, okay? Since I'm buying yeah, it for you, just, yeah, every, every month or every week, just shoot me a bill and say, hey, Mark, the car's in works. I have a feeling this, 
this might get a little expensive, but uh, that's okay. I offered, and uh, I think we'd all love to see what you'd come up with there. So uh, with an unlimited budget, that's uh, that almost makes it harder in some respects. You know, that's uh, that's the funny thing is, uh, you know, I, I specialize in selling things that you don't need that are extremely expensive. And so once you get past the uncomfortable part, let's have fun. Let's have fun. There you go. Well, Dave, we have had some fun today. You've taken me on an awesome ride. I knew you would. And I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. I want to thank you for sharing your incredible automotive journey with the Car Shout listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you head off into the one of those uh, canyons there outside of Salt Lake City and that <laughs> custom build of yours? I have to tell you, uh, the most important advice I can give anybody personally is to set your goals high and don't ever accept failure. If you don't see yourself failing, you never will. And if you just haven't reached that goal yet, it just means you're not there yet. Great wisdom. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and learn more about what you're up to? Oh, you know what? Probably the best thing is our website, condigit.com. That's K-I-N-D-I-G-I-T without the hyphen, dot com. Also, you can check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook. We're all over the place. You guys are all over the place. And I'll, I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these links. I'll make sure I put them all there on uh, Dave's show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Dave in the search bar. Or David Kindig, and you'll find that page there. Check out what he's up to. Of course, you got to watch Velocity Bitchin' Rides. Oh, my gosh. You guys are having some fun. Dave, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your incredible automotive experiences with me and my listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit Drive Toward a Cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to drive toward a cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!